Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Nature's the thing that makes it possible for us to survive on this planet. And when you think about the outdoors, it's really a free resource um, for our community to heal. And uh, we find our full humanity in that relationship. And if we're excluding people from that relationship, we're excluding them from being able to discover their full humanity. When the National Traveling Art Exhibition and Community Engagement Project, Americans Who Tell the Truth, opens tomorrow at the Gallery STL, it will be the first time St. Louis and Debbie Jai sees her painted portrait among those of other changemakers being honored by the Missouri Coalition for the Environment, or MCE. Jai is a health and wellness advocate who founded Black People Who Hike, a group that's part of the We Hike Too movement to get Black folks active outdoors in nature. And she's with us now to share more about that. Debbie, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Hi, Wayne. How are you? I'm great. So glad to have you here. Now, let's talk about Black people who hike. I described it very briefly. What is it that this group does? Yeah, sure. So our mission is to empower, educate, and re-engage Black people to the outdoors. Um, Really, the organization started after I went on my first hike in 2019 and fell in love with hiking. Um, It was something that I started incorporating into my weekly routine. routine. Um, I started going hiking every single Sunday, and it really became my nature therapy, my opportunity to uh, decompress from the week, uh, release stress. Um, It helped me overcome anxiety, seasonal depression, and as I was on the trail, it was something that I noticed. One, I didn't see people that looked like me. And two, when I would invite friends that looked like me, there was a lot of reluctance from the community. And week after week, um, more people started to join me, and it really just became became a movement um, to get Black people outside in nature. Mm-hmm. And as you talked with people, what was it that was lying sort of underneath um, the reluctance to get out there? Sure. So um, I think the big thing, especially with this generation, is just um, when you talk about lack of representation, they're not seeing themselves represented in these activities. They don't have friends and family that do these activities. So it's perceived as something that they don't do. It's, it's you know, what I've been told is it's perceived as white, a white thing, you know, thing mm-hmm. something that white people do. Um, but I think that it's uh, really that it's deeper than that. I think um, there's also... Sometimes the fear of safety, going out in these rural areas, um, you know, out into the woods, hiking. Um, There's also the lack of really knowledge around what hiking is, the benefits that come with it. Um, And I think a lot of it, again, kind of stems back to uh, what I call historical exclusion. Uh, Black people weren't equally allowed in in some of these outdoor spaces the same um, as white people were um, Mm -hmm. so many years ago. Yeah. And how big have the groups been that you've gone out with? And are they finding you know, safety and camaraderie in numbers? 
Yeah. So when I first started going, like I said, it was just me and like one other person, and it, it really did grow. I remember there was a real pivotal moment. It was um, February of 2020, and we had about 45, almost 50 people on the trail in St. Louis when it was, you know, cold in February um, to have that many black people out on the trail. Um, and I remember because it was right around Valentine's Day, we had a self-care hike. Um, and in the beginning, we go around in a circle and everyone says their name and they had to say something that they love about themselves. And it was at that time where, you know, everybody's there and they're having a great time. People are smiling. Um, we, we took tons of photos and afterwards there was this one individual and she reached out to me and she really wanted to share her, her testimony of how that individual day and that hike really helped her. And she wasn't from St. Louis. She moved to St. Louis, um, years ago and she'd been having a really hard, really hard time with anxiety, uh, manic depression, um, suicidal thoughts. And her friend had asked her, what was it that she needed? And she said, well, I, I want the ocean. And her friend said, well, if you don't have the ocean, what else is it you needed? And she said, well, I want to be outside. So her friend found us on Instagram and they ended up making it out to that hike and looking at these photos and seeing her out on that trail, you would have no idea that she was going through such a rough time. And she shared with me that that was the first time she had felt like herself in four years. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful personal story then. I mean, for you yourself, Debbie, was outside sort of part of your upbringing? Uh, And how would you describe the way your relationship with nature has developed? Sure. So uh, growing up, um, as I mentioned, I was a tomboy. So I did play play outside a lot. Um, There was a lot of boys in the neighborhood. you know, so we played in the woods. I said, I guess we technically were hiking as children. We just didn't know that it was hiking, mm-hmm. um, making our own trails. But as I got older, um, the outdoors wasn't wasn't a thing. And I, I, you know, I went camping a couple times in my life with a, with a friend, but it it wasn't something we did as a family. It wasn't um, it wasn't the norm. So when I when I found you know I guess when I refound my relationship with the outdoors and really stepped outside, uh, it really became um, a place for me to to deal with, to heal, you know, to heal essentially and to deal with a lot of um, stress and anxieties. And um, to this day, if I'm if I'm having a bad day or I'm, I get overwhelmed or I'm, I'm starting to feel anxious, just going for a walk outside or going for a hike uh, really helps me. Mm-hmm. Now, doing these hikes and starting the group, um, these are a couple of things that have happened. But another thing that's happened over time is that Folks started calling you an activist. When you first heard that term applied to you, I mean, how did you feel about it? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because what started as just one hike for myself has turned into this, you know, this global movement. And, um, you know, I started in 2019. In 2020, I remember I was invited to, to join um, MCE as a board member and thinking like, wow, I'm you know, an environmentalist, right? And then the I remember the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020 and really feeling like, you know, our platform and um, the space that we have, like we had an obligation to really speak up um, for what was going out, um, what was going on in the world. And, you know, even Black people who hike, when you think of 
how we really got started. Yeah, it was just a hike, but when it when it really hit home for me, when I really realized like this was something bigger than me, this was something that the black community needed, it was when I had stumbled across forest bathing and really understanding what the outdoors um, can do to someone and how it can really benefit. So in Japan, they doctors prescribe patients to spend time out in nature as an alternative form um, of medicine. And there's scientific data around how spending time outside and hiking can help with not only anxiety, depression, but high blood pressure, diabetes, stroke, heart disease, all these things that are very prevalent within the black community. Um, you know, and health, health disparities are real. And to know that majority of the black community does not feel welcome in this space and and or they don't realize that this is even a resource for them. And when you think about the outdoors, it's really a free resource um, for our community to heal. And, um, you know, so when I think about it like that, being called an activist, I, I guess it, I guess that's what I am, but it's, um, it's not something that I anticipated. It's just something I kind of walked into. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Debbie Jai, the St. Louis-based founder and president of Black People Who Hike. Debbie's portrait is the latest addition to the traveling art exhibition, Americans Who Tell the Truth. Its opening reception is tomorrow from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Gallery STL. The exhibition is being put on by the Missouri Coalition for the Environment, otherwise known as MCE. Now, Carmen Harris, development director at MCE, says the coalition hopes the exhibition will familiarize people with Debbie's work, the work of activists around the nation, and to learn about MCE's mission. She says art is a particularly useful vehicle for inspiration and education. It provides a unique opportunity for people to engage in causes that they weren't really privy to, that they weren't really aware of. And it gives a new perspective of how people can view environmental values and how they can live their everyday lives and um, how everything environmental can affect us all, regardless of income, regardless of demographic, regardless of race. It, it It can impact us all. And there's definitely powerful messaging in art. Now joining us is the artist behind Americans Who Tell the Truth. Robert Shutterly has painted more than 260 portraits for the series, and he joins us now. Robert, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thanks, Elaine. It's wonderful to be with you. So Americans Who Tell the Truth, it sounds like a a very big (laughs) project. What (laughs) is it? Well, you know, un, not unlike what Debbie was saying about her relationship with nature and getting out and hiking and the beneficial effects of that and how it was a kind of therapy for her and is a therapy for lots of people. It is for me, too. But in the run-up to the Iraq War back in right after 9-11, I was so distraught about how this country was being misled into a, a war that should never have been fought and all the pain and agony that was going to be part of that, I was real. I realized that I needed to do something with all this uh, pent-up anger that I had about that and do something positive with the energy. And I decided to start surrounding myself with portraits. And up to this time, I'd never been a portrait painter. With portraits of Americans who made me feel good about the country rather than ranting about the people who were in charge, who were 
setting us on the course of the disastrous war. Mm-hmm. And that became my therapy. And it, it began with all these 19th century figures like you know, Walt Whitman, Frederick Douglass, Jane Addams, Mother Jones, Susan B. Anthony, people like that. But I, and I thought I'd paint a few portraits and I'd be done. But it became so fascinating to me to look at the kinds of truths that have been told and the truths that have not been told in this country all across the spectrum of not just about war and peace, but about gender, about race, about the environment, about climate, all these things which are so critically important to us. And I thought um, I would just keep building this catalog, basically, of these Mm -hmm. portraits. And uh, it would be in my basement, but instead... (laughs) It's become a project that uh, is, goes all over the country. Right. So you really were then activated by others, and this is a an endeavor that activates, in turn, um, those who see it. Now, from what I understand, um, you were engaged by MCE to paint Debbie's portrait, and you learned about Debbie and her work. What was it about um, what you learned about Debbie that made you decide that her portrait was one that you wanted to paint? That's really interesting. You know, I have painted many environmentalists, all the way from Thoreau and John Muir to Rachel Carson, and then, you know, contemporary young activists uh, all over the country. However, the issues that Debbie is, you know, working about with black people who hike is a really interesting fundamental issue which gets ignored a lot. I mean, the title just sounds kind of innocuous, but as she was suggesting, this is much deeper than that. And also, I recognize it as being uh, very deep in our history in another way. I mean, we come, when you think, let's say, about the, the 19th century and the idea of manifest destiny, that this country needed to be expanding west and for the benefit of basically white people, you know, owning the land, that the land would reach its its highest virtue when it was owned by white people. And that meant, the, you know, the removal of indigenous people and Mexicans in the West and the horrible Mexican War. That was all justified by this idea that of white people owning the land. And it went well beyond that. It went to, you know, to uh, not just owning it, but exploiting it, profiting from it, and excluding people of color from it. And so... You know, when you see a movement that tries to bring, you know, people of color back into nature, you know, as as, um, Debbie was suggesting about the healing aspect, every person needs um, a relationship with nature. I mean, nature is the thing that makes it possible for us to survive on this planet. And uh, we find our full humanity in that relationship. And if we're excluding people from that relationship, we're excluding them from being able to discover their full humanity. And Debbie's project is actually working on that, which I think is just absolutely wonderful. Mm -hmm. The Missouri Coalition for the Environment Development Director, Carmen Harris, has seen your portrait, Debbie, and she told us that what stood out to her most was your smile. One of the, when I sent portrait or pictures of Debbie to Robert so he can, you know, have something to go off of, he said that she should keep her smile. He said, of course, take some that are, you know, a little more serious, but he really wanted to captivate her smile. So, Robert, as we heard Carmen say about you, 
uh, and what you did as far as the artistic sort of uh, decision making here, you know, sometimes a smile isn't right for certain portraits. Why did you decide, though, that Debbie's needed to be painted with that expression? Probably 99% of the portraits, not, maybe not that many, 95, are looking at you with a pretty serious look, a non-smiling look. I'm Sometimes as a portrait artist, I think that uh, a smile can almost act as a mask on a portrait that doesn't really let you see who the real person is or give you a, a way to understand their integrity in, in a particular way. However, you know, when I was looking at the images of, of Debbie and also thinking about the work she does and the spirit with which she does it, the, 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 the smile seemed the, the perfect representation of both who she is and, and what she's doing. And it worked. I, I thought that was the best way to paint her. Mm -hmm. Now, Debbie, what was the moment like when you got the news that you'd be painted in this way? You know, I think it's still really just sitting in. Like, right now, during this interview, it's like, wow. You know, um, I was definitely honored um, to have been chosen um, for such an opportunity. But, you know, yes, I realized the work um, that I'm doing is important, but for it to be kind of recognized on this national level um, in a very different way, you know, a very um, artistic way and... Um, I don't know. It's it's, it's pretty neat. It's, mm -hmm. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> and Robert, I mean, your work I'm seeing for the first time because of this segment, and I'm I think that that will be the case for many of our listeners. Debbie, what went through your mind when you saw Robert's work on other people's portraits? Yeah, um, just to. To really be able to take in the fact that, um, you know, this is kind of forever. Um, you know, obviously I've, I've planted seeds here that I believe um, I've had the impact in of thousands of people's lives. Um, you know, and people people are changed um, and they're, they have the opportunity to, you know, to pass this down generationally. But to, a portrait, that's something that's like, you know, like a forever uh, painting. So it's, um, like I said, it's, it's, I'm very humbled and honored. Now, Robert, in the process of creating Debbie's portrait, um, are there any parallels uh, that exist between what you've done with hers and the ones that you've done for others? Oh, sure. But first, let me just say, um, Debbie hasn't seen her portrait yet. And <laughs> this is always a very anxious time for me when we're going to be there, you know, on Friday to unveil the portrait. Uh, I mean, I hope she likes it. My intent is to honor people, is not to give them an interpretation that is something more about me than about that person. And so, uh, you know, it is my hope that she uh, likes what I've done. Uh, but yeah, there. The, we at, at the, in the Americans Who Tell the Truth project, we refer to the portraits as you know in their in terms of their education as uh, models of courageous citizenship, and so Debbie's fits into our educational um, format of when, because we do so much work in schools of showing young people people who are are working for to make this country a better place to make this country 
live up to the, the, the ideals that it professes and, and give them, you know, just all these examples of the ways that they can engage themselves. And so when they, you know, see a lot of times, I think when young people uh, look at the portraits and they see somebody smiling, that may be the person that they engage with first, you know, because it seems so welcoming and rather than, you know, something kind of a little sterner or a little more, a little heavier that um, might be a little intimidating. Uh, so Debbie's portrait will be a really important one for that reason, that people will look at it, they'll find it and pick it out because it's smiling, and then they'll read about what she does and probably be surprised because a lot of people, I think, especially a lot of white people, do not think about the relationship of people of color to the land and how they've been excluded and how that, you know, here's a person who's trying to, you know, fix that relationship. Mm-hmm. So I'm, that's what I'm hoping anyway. And earlier you mentioned, Robert, that you didn't start as a portrait artist. And I do recall reading that you are self-taught. So Mm -hmm. what does it mean to be a portrait artist now and to be doing the work that you're doing now? I did not want to be a portrait artist. I had, had spent years developing a voice as something much more like a surrealist. I was interested in the poetic images that were mysterious and ambiguous, and I thought that the important reality about who we are as a people is to be found in that mystery. But when the times turned, and we were, you know, right after 9-11, suddenly faced with this uh, call to attack a country that we never should have been attacking, I thought that my role as a, a citizen was much better served if I spent uh, time f- trying to find a voice using the thing that I do best, which is paint, and find a, a way to engage this moment that I had to be. You know, a lot of times I think, and a lot of artists think about their work in relationship to the history of art. You know, well, what would Rembrandt think of what I'm doing? Or, you know, what would um, Degas think of what I'm doing? And all of that. I mean, I, and I used to think about that, or what would Edward Hopper think, or Magritte, or somebody like that. And that all became irrelevant at this moment to me. It, it seemed that what was far more important was having a voice at this moment, trying to make that voice be, uh, in a sense, political, but in the broadest and best sense, and have that voice be uh, honoring people who have shown great courage in trying to make this country be the best country it could be. Robert Shutterly is the portrait artist behind the exhibition Americans Who Tell the Truth. And Debbie Jai, Robert's latest portrait subject, is the founder and president of Black People Who Hike. Debbie, Robert, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Elaine. Thank you, Elaine, for the pleasure. The Traveling Art Exhibition, Americans Who Tell the Truth, opens tomorrow at the Gallery STL with a reception from 6 to 9 p.m. The show, presented by the Missouri Coalition for the Environment, or MCE, will debut a portrait of St. Louis and Debbie Jai and include 10 portraits of other environmental changemakers, all painted by artist Robert Shutterly. The exhibition will run until August 24th. You can learn more about Shutterly's work at americanswhotellthetruth.org. This episode was produced and edited by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. 
St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.